Now, if you'll join me in your Bibles or on your bulletins or up on the screen, we have this morning's scripture reading. I'm going to be reading from Psalm 23 and John chapter 10. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. John 10. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Please pray with me. Jesus, we love you and we thank you that you are a shepherd. I pray this morning that we would listen and hear your voice, that we would know it and that we would see everything that you have for us to live life abundantly, to live life according to what you say and not according to ourselves. Jesus, please humble us and just tune our ears to be so attentive to you and, and to change the way that we live and change the way that we see our life. Jesus, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, good morning, everyone. Uh, I invite you to keep your Bible open to uh, Psalm 23. Uh, before we get into the passage this morning, though, I want to talk just a minute about our men's retreat um, coming up next week. Um, feels like uh, almost every year these rumors, complete rumors, swirl around that all we do is surf and fish and <laughs> play games. That's all the men ever do. So we're being completely transparent and uh, sharing with our wives and friends um, exactly what we're going to do. So uh, this year the theme of our men's retreat is, uh, is men as shepherds. And... Um, I think it was my last year in seminary, uh, a book was given to me by one of my professors, and uh, it's called The Minister as Shepherd, and uh, it was written, I believe, in 1912, and one of the things that caught my attention about it is there are, and this is the book, that um, there are no great endorsements. One of the things that happens in seminary is you just get books and books and books and books and books, and they're always filled up with all these endorsements in the back of who said you should read this. And, and, and this had none. So I'm like, oh, this is interesting. This should, I'm going to check this out. Um, and it's, it's um, like I said, written in 1912. And it was written originally for men pursuing pastoral ministry. There's really two chapters in the book that we are going to focus on at the men's retreat. And one is um, the responsibility of a shepherd, and then number two, the temptations of a shepherd. And so um, he talks about seven different things that a shepherd is to do, to be responsible. And so we're going to focus on men as shepherds of their families, um, taking responsibilities for creating and maintaining healthy relationships. Um, so that is what we're doing. Seven responsibilities, 
and two temptations that we're going to focus on for men's retreat. So all that said is that as I was studying this week and preparing for men's retreat, I thought it'd be valuable for us to spend some time looking at um, Psalms 23, quite possibly one of the most recognized passages in the Bible and um, something that's been meaningful um, to me, you know, most of my Christian life. And um, uh, I was also told this morning um, by uh, Sten mentioned it to me this morning that it was also a psalm used by Vietnam vets who were uh, prisoners of war during the war as a way to um, keep their souls alive. And um, so this is a, it's a powerful, powerful um, psalm. And, and maybe you, you even memorize it as a kid. And I know that um, um, I found myself this week um, just saying it over and over and over again and, and, and referring to it um, throughout my week. If you are um, interested in downloading the church app, um, there's a little button on there that, that says more. And after you click the more button, there's a worship tab you can click. And I put a song up there, and it's a, a song by a, a couple of guys. And they just put Psalms 23 to, uh, to music. And I encourage you to go there. And um, I've, I've basically started my day every day this week by listening to that song. And I listened to it this morning probably two or three times, just over and over again. And um, singing a song, singing Hebrew poetry, um, it, it was, it's just powerful. It's meaningful. So I encourage you to do that. So let's just think for just a moment about this concept as a shepherd. In the Old Testament, God is referred to as a shepherd. He's referred to as a shield, a rock, all these different metaphors that, um, that are used in the Old Testament to refer to God. But the concept or the, the word shepherd is probably the most intimate and, and gives us maybe one of the most complete pictures of the character of God. In the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as the good shepherd. When Jesus is speaking to Peter, he uses the concept of being a shepherd as an example of leadership. And he says to Peter, feed my sheep. And, that, and what he's saying there is this, is that Peter, do the work of a shepherd. Be that person. Do the work. Take responsibility and do the work of a shepherd. The Apostle Paul, when speaking to um, the leaders at the church in Ephesus, said that they are to pay close attention to their own lives. He says, take heed to your own life and also guard the flock. So the concept of being a shepherd is Old Testament, it's New Testament, it's Jesus, it's the disciples. It's uh, an example of leadership. And so there are um, some very, very valuable things that we can all learn from, whether or not you go to the men's retreat or not. Uh, last thing I'll say um, before we get into this, next week I've got a good friend. His name is Brian Coffey um, that will be coming uh, to speak with you and uh, deliver the sermon. And um, he is absolutely amazing and maybe the opposite of me in so many great ways. So you're going to love him and, um, and it will be very valuable. So Psalms 23, he, uh, David writes this, and let's think about um, this in three ways to help us break up the psalm so we can grasp it. And, and verses 1 through 3 are all about God providing for us, that that is the nature of God, that he is one who takes care of us, promises to meet all of our needs. Verses 4 and 5 are about God being our protector. 
that regardless of the details and the circumstances of our life, he promises to keep us safe. And then last, verse 6, is the presence of God, that he promises to always be with us. So you have God as your provider, your prote protector, and one who promises his presence with you all of the time. We can summarize the whole psalm this way, that God is completely and totally committed to you, that God is a shepherd, and that represents his full and total commitment to you, to your well-being, to giving you um, life abundantly, as Jesus speaks about in John chapter 10. I came across um, an article this week, and it was, um, it was about Paul McCartney and his wife, Linda, and, uh, and um, someone was interviewing Paul McCartney a short time after his wife had passed away. And uh, I believe she, she passed away from breast cancer. And he wrote this, and it just caught me as meaningful, and I thought I would share it with you. He said this about his wife. He said, as a mother, she was the best. We always said that all we wanted for the kids was that they would grow up to have good hearts. That that was her calling as a mom, that she would raise kids that have good hearts. And that heart of a mom captures part of the character of God, that God in this psalm gives us the picture that he is a good shepherd, that he wants to take care of you, that he's fully committed to you, to giving you a life even better than you can imagine. And so one of the principles, one of the things that we learn from Scripture is that God is revealing himself, that he reveals himself in this passage. But the flip side of that is revelation, and then the flip side is response. How will you respond personally in your own life to God's revelation? That he is the good shepherd. And as we study this morning, how will you respond to this idea? So. Number one, let's look at this. God's provision for you, that he promises to provide for you for all of your needs. The psalm begins with five key words, and all of these words are important. The first word that is important is the word the, the definite article, not just a Lord or, or a God, but that there is one true God. One true God who is committed to you. The next key word is the word Lord, and in your Bible, you'll notice that it's in all capital letters. It's the word Yahweh, conveying the idea of eternal, everlasting, all-powerful covenant God. That the one true God, the omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful, eternal God, third word, is, he's the I am, the ever-present. He always is and always will be the everlasting shepherd. And then David puts the word my as a personal pronoun. And that is the word we need to apply to all of our own lives, that God is your own shepherd. It's God and you. It's an individual expression. This is the nature of God, that he is the one true God, eternal, committed to you. The fifth key word is the word shepherd. And it's the idea of provider, protector, and giving you his presence. In ancient times, the shepherd was everything to the sheep. Without the shepherd, the sheep would go their own way, risk um, 
their own life. And so the shepherd in relationship between the sheep was essential. And so we learn quickly then, what are the needs of the sheep? And let's just think about this just from um, an Old Testament context for a few minutes before we apply it to ourselves. And so if you're a shepherd in ancient Israel, what are your responsibilities? What would you do? Well, number one, you are required to give the sheep green grass, fresh green grass, grass that just doesn't appear anywhere, but grass that is needed for life. Next, David says that sheep need water. He says still water, not rushing water, not, not water that um, could put the lamb or the sheep at risk. It was the job of the shepherd to provide green grass and water. Why? So that the sheep could be content. I did some reading this week about sheep. Now, this isn't a normal week, but there's actually a lot of reading about sheep and why they won't lay down. <laughs> so I read this week about what is it that allows sheep to rest and be content? Well, it's green, fresh grass and water. And then I started reading about, and this is where it gets a little bit more interesting. What is it that prevents sheep from laying down? Why won't sheep lay down? And here's what some people who are experienced shepherds say. The number one reason why sheep won't lay down is because of fear. Because of the, the possibility or the sense of a wild animal nearby. If a sheep feels threatened in any way, they won't rest. <clears throat> Another reason why sheep won't lay down is because of antagonism within the herd. There's a bully in the group. There's the boss, the bossy boss. There's one sheep who's annoying and tries to tell all the other sheep what to do. That never happens in churches, though, does it? Another reason is insects or flies. Another reason is hunger. And so one of the things that we learn from Psalms is this, is that God is the good shepherd and he promises to provide everything you need. And the concept here is this, is contentment. Are you content in Christ? Are you content in the things that he gives you? Can you rest? Are you able to enjoy the life that God has given you? Is your soul at rest? One of the things I found this week, and, and we're just going to look at part of it, is, um, and I think it's on your bulletin, but it, it's called the Anti-Psalm. And it's written by um, a guy named David Paulson. And let's just read part of it as a way of confession before God and thinking about our lives. And this is what he says as far as a lack of contentment. He writes this, I'm on my own. No one looks out for me or protects me. I'm always restless. I'm easily frustrated and often disappointed. Is that your life? On your own, easily restless, frustrated? When David says here that the eternal living God, the omnipotent, all-powerful God, wants to provide everything you need in life to bring contentment and rest to your soul, David goes on and says that 
He restores my soul. I learned a lot about sheep this week. And one of the things that happens, and actually there's just so much fascinating reading from this psalm, but one of the things that um, shepherds will, will speak about um, in sheep is that they can become cast. Now, I've never even heard of that word in, in reference to sheep, but what it means is that, that something happens within their organs and they're lying down and they can't get up. And if this, the shepherd won't pick up the sheep, it just gets worse and worse and worse, and it can actually even kill the animal. And so David says this, he leads me to green pasture, to water, so that you can be still, that he restores my soul, that, that he lifts you up, that there is grace, that there is a restoring of your life, and that he leads you into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So there is contentment when God is your shepherd. And so the response part of this is how will you respond to the good shepherd who provides everything in your life? Jesus talks about two ways of living. Surrendering your life to the good shepherd or going on your own. Experiencing a continual sense of need, of restlessness, of disappointment, and frustration. The shepherd is calling you to his arms. Number two is protection. And he says that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Protection from all harm. Protection from evil. Well, what do the sheep need protection from in David's day? Well, there were all kinds of things that could hurt a sheep. Wild animals, thieves, parasites, endless amounts of things that could hurt a sheep. And one of the things that shepherds would do in, in ancient times is they'd have to lead their sheep to green pastures. And sometimes that would even include leading their sheep through canyons or crevices or areas that were dangerous. And he says this, and this is, this is interesting for us to think about in your own life. He says that we are to walk through this valley of the shadow. Nowhere does David say in this psalm that this is the place you lie down. You don't lie down in the valley of darkness through the darkest times in your life. And we want to do that. That's in our nature to stay in that place, to stay in a dark place. And it can even lead to pity and excuses. And it's comfortable. And this psalm is teaching us that God always leads us through the valley, that we don't ever lay down there. We don't ever dwell in that place. Back to the anti-psalm. This one Christian author, pastor, wrote this. It's a jungle. I feel overwhelmed. It's a desert. I'm thirsty. My soul feels broken, twisted, and stuck. I can't fix myself. I stumble down some dark paths. Still, I insist, I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want. That is true of all of us. That, that is a temptation for all of us. We stumble down dark paths, and we still do what we want to do. David is saying that there's a better way to live, that even in the midst of this darkness, this impenetrable gloom, 
this thick darkness, this condition, this shadow of darkness, that we are to keep moving, keep following the shepherd. And he gives us two suggestions. He says, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was this form of, a, it was a weapon of self-defense that the shepherd would use to actually hit animals, to hit something or a thief. It was a literal um, violent tool to keep the animal safe. And then he says, your staff, they comfort me. So in the midst, you have to think about this for a second, in the midst of these harder things, these dark, harder things, he says there's a rod and a staff. And many people believe those are referring to God's Word and the Holy Spirit. That as you are going through this crevice of darkness, that you always have the Holy Spirit and God's Word with you, guiding you through. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. One of the things that, that we, we think of when we read the Psalms, if we think of it, it's just it's a comforting psalm. And it is that. But there are two key elements, two key words in this that we always have to keep before us. He talks about enemies and dark places. And that's the reality of life. That David talks about the reality of life, that life has that sometimes. And how will we get through it? Will we stay in that place? Or will we allow the good shepherd? Here's what the anti-psalm says. The temptation to go life our own way. Life's confusing. Why don't things ever really work out? I'm haunted by emptiness and futility. The shadows of death. I fear the big hurt and the final loss. Death is waiting for me at the end of every road. But I'd rather not think about it. Right? That is so true. Think about how many things in our lives, problems, things we need to deal with, that we just wish and hope they would go away. We all have things in our lives, shadows of darkness, that we just hope and think they would go away. He says, he continues, I spend my life protecting myself. Bad things can happen. I find no lasting comfort. I'm alone facing everything that can hurt me. Are my friends really my friends? And so this is the contrast between the one true shepherd we all need for doing life on our own. I read an old sermon, um, and I've mentioned this guy before, but there's a gentleman who's now um, in his 90s, and, and he preached a sermon, I believe it's in the late 60s or early 70s, and he said something in it that I want to share with you. That, that just stuck with me. And, and this is not, um, it's not something that's uh, clearly in the scripture, but he used it as, as a form of tradition. In verse 6, he says this, as a way of God's protection. He says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. And what he said was this. He said that a shepherd's responsibility was to be out front and to lead the sheep. But a shepherd would always have a couple of dogs with him. And he said those two dogs were named goodness and mercy. And when a sheep would go astray, right? This, this is us. This is me. This is you. A sheep would go astray. So the shepherd is leading, and we look to our right, and we say, oh, that looks great over there. And it's actually a poisonous plant. And here comes the little dog called goodness. 
It's the goodness of God. And he nips at your heels and says, no, go back, go back. And the dog on the left, someone sees something that looks entertaining on the left. And mercy comes and says, no, I'm not going to let you go that way. I'm going to nip at you. I'm going to push you back. And I'm going to follow you. You're going to follow the good shepherd. Remember that goodness and mercy are there to keep you close to the shepherd. David finishes his psalms by speaking about the presence of the, of the God, and he says, All the days of my life that I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God promises his eternal presence. Think about that for a moment. If you are calling Jesus Christ the good shepherd this morning, if you consider yourself a sheep of Jesus Christ, he says, that you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And what it's saying here is this, is that the Christian life is a heavenly life. It's an eternal life. That this is just the beginning. That this is not even ultimately our home. That when we near the end of life, your soul will be content and will have peace and joy and hope in it because death has been conquered all the days of my life. It's a beautiful psalm of God's provision, his protection, and his presence with you. It's the shepherd we all need. If you turn to John for just a couple of moments, and we'll look at the fulfillment of this, when Jesus talks about himself being the ultimate and true good shepherd. When we go away to men's retreat, and we talk about the responsibilities of, of, of being a, a, a shepherd. One of the things that, that we will hold as ultimate and that will be the foundation for everything we do is that all men, everyone, needs a true shepherd, a good shepherd. And that's when Jesus says this. He says, verse 7 of chapter 10, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Jesus is saying this that he is the way, that there is one true way, that Jesus Christ alone is the way. And he says, verse 9, that I am the door. If anyone enters, he will be saved and will go out, will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's in contrast to what we talked about the last two weeks, that there is an invisible spiritual war there's two ways to live. And the contrast is this. Jesus says at the end of verse 10, that I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly, even better than you can think. Whatever you can imagine right now is the, the best life possible. Jesus is saying, I have something better, even better than you can imagine. And the enemy has come to deceive you into getting you to think, as the, the anti-Psalm says, to reject the shepherd and go life your own way. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. And this is the, this is the, the ultimate example for man's retreat. Verse 11 says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That is the good shepherd who pays the ultimate sacrifice and gives his life the sheep. That's eternal salvation. That is 
having a relationship with Jesus Christ by putting your faith and trust in a shepherd who gave his life for you. And when that begins to be revealed in your heart, we will respond in a new way. That we will all be many shepherds. That we will be people who look out and care for one another. That one, a little sheep goes his own way, you will be goodness or you will be mercy and you will love that person and you will bring them back. There is a sense that all of us are called to be shepherds, to love each other, to care for each other, to be there for each other. But it begins first by putting your faith and your confidence and your hope and trust in the one true shepherd, Jesus Christ. If you are here this morning and you've never done that, I just invite you to contemplate that and think about that. And hold up the anti-psalm in contrast and think about it. Take your time and make a choice of how you want to live your life. Which way lives to an abundant life? Which way lives, leads towards a life of brokenness and frustration? The natural path for all of us is the anti-psalm, doing life our own way. It's when we humble ourselves before God and say, you are the good shepherd, I give my life to you. Then the abundant life comes, the beautiful life comes. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the, the beauty of this psalm. The lyrics that catch our attention, that capture our heart. Father, I pray that we would put this to memory, that we would listen to it in song, that we would enjoy it, that it would fill our hearts, that it would go into the deep parts of our lives. And Father, I pray that for those of us who maybe have little parts of our life that are locked away, that we don't give anyone access to, that, that, that we shut off and, and we throw away the key, we pray that through your spirit that this psalm would unlock the door and allow you into every part of our lives. That we would put our trust in you knowing that you are committed to us, that you love us, and you want to give us life abundantly. Father, we thank you so much. We pray that your Holy Spirit would fill our hearts as we continue in worship. We love you in the name of Jesus. Amen.